0: Hey everybody welcome back to the failing in podcast this is Tyler David and my guest today is Vanessa Zengardi she's an operations and project manager content creator and co-founder and co-owner at the Zengardi studio how are you I'm great how are you I'm doing great thank you for joining me today and today we're gonna to be talking about starting a business um, so the Zengardi studio is something that you and your spouse started um, tell us a little bit about that
1: oh it feels like I don't know simultaneously not that long ago and forever ago. um, I am located in the suburb of Cleveland and my husband and I moved here, I don't know, it's probably been about 13 or so years. And so we started our own business about four or so, four and a half years ago, because we were here. My husband was in the marketing world, um, a lot of connections, and we took a leap of faith started our own company. And here we are kind of cruising along four and a half years later.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations. It's it's been great to see, even just in the time that I've known you to see all that you guys are doing It's just, it's wonderful. So I applaud you for that. Thank Um, you. So I I do want to ask, what does failure mean to you?
1: Well, that one's difficult because so, you know, human beings in general are complex, right? We're very multifaceted. And for me specifically, I'm a lot of things besides a business owner. I'm a mom. Um, I'm into fitness. I'm super passionate about animals and things like that too. So I think every person has their own definition of failure, which is why I think it's cool. You asked this question to kind of quantify and qualify exactly who you're talking to and what that means. Failure for me, I mean, it doesn't really have necessarily like a definition. It's, it's dependent on the situation. It's dependent on a multitude of factors. Um, in every failure there's a lesson so i think failure for as much as people you know you could look at the textbook definition of it and you could try to to define it however you want to i mean It's something that's really hard to nail down. I mean, you could look at some of the things that I consider successes and other people are going to consider those failures, right? You could look at some of the things that I consider failures and other people are going to think those are successes. So I think when you look at it for me, if I had to, because I know you asked a question and I gave no answer there, but (laughs) if we're looking for an actual answer, I think failure is when true failure in my mind is when something doesn't go as planned and I haven't stopped to figure out what that lesson is. So if I can't flip it and I didn't take the time to sit there and think, well, what could I learn from this or how can I change it? That's a failure. Now, it's not to say that that failure doesn't come back in the future and remind me of something and I say, oh, wait a second. That failure that I didn't assess years ago, weeks ago, days ago, now makes way more sense to me in this moment in my life. So what can I take from that? What can I learn? And then how can I kind of flip that? Um, so again, not a real solid answer, but I feel like it's hard to really define (laughs) failure. I failed by definition, like, I don't know, hundreds of times in my life, like hundreds of times in my life, but I'm still standing. Well, technically I'm sitting, but standing up, (laughs) you know, on my own two feet and trying to to make an impact in the world and trying to make positive change and just live my life. So
0: I like that you say that it's, you know, it's failure is something where you, you haven't been able to learn from it but that it's something you could learn from down the road because it is hard to be introspective or retrospective in in the moment um and a lot of times we let ourselves get kind of down after we've we've failed or we've you know failed to succeed by our own definitions at something um mm-hmm. and I think I think you're right like a lot of times we can't really see that uh, the lesson from it immediately it it could be down the road um, especially if you know, get
1: burned by it, you know, like if you get oh, really yeah. burned by something and then you like, don't yep. want to think about it, then like yep. the message doesn't resonate till way later.
0: Do you think that you, you learn more or you benefit more when you realize it immediately? Or do you think you, you would benefit more when, you know, say years down the road, you're like, Oh, and it just kind of clicks.
1: See, that's hard. Cause I think when it comes to, so we'll talk about business first, when it comes to my business life. I think the most impactful learning I can do from failure is when I can learn within a short amount of time. So if we did something for a client, for instance, and you know, there was some KPIs or some, you know, some return on investment we were looking for, and we didn't get it right away. And I'm like, man, something was off and I don't understand what it was. It was a failure by all the metrics that we had set for whatever particular thing we were doing. So then looking at it and taking that time and thinking, okay, what did we do wrong? in air quotes what was not quite nailing on the head what do we do and how can we fix it to get what we're looking for next time right so i think that that learning makes me better for my clients it makes me a better business owner it makes me a better partner for my husband who's the, you know the my basic other partner in this whole entire thing so i think that quick type of of debrief and understanding from that failure i think is probably the most impactful but then now we can spin it to my parenting where i mean as a parent any parent out there is going to agree when they hear this, you fail way more than you succeed at parenting. If you go into thinking you're going to be this awesome parent, you do everything right, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. Even when you think you know what you're doing and the next minute your kid's surprise you and you're like, okay, that was a huge failure, right? And those seeds that you plant in those, those instances in which you look at your kids and you're like, I feel like I failed you. I feel like I failed the situation. I feel like I failed the lesson I was supposed to teach you. And then, you know, a year or two down the line, all of a sudden your kid is doing something that you're like, oh my God, the thing that I perceived as a failure because, you know, my kid didn't understand the lesson at the time. And we got off on a tangent and we talked about some other related but tangential thing that happened in their world. And then two years later, you see the fruits of your labor come because they're cool, calm, and collected. Like, for instance, I can think about, you know, multiple times as a parent to my older, he's gonna be nine you know, conversations with him and connecting with him and teaching him how to have dialogue and how to stand up for yourself and say and be an advocate for yourself, right? There are times where you wonder as a parent, you're like, should I just have told him just because I said or not had a conversation with him because he was maybe five or six and maybe he didn't get it. And you're like, I feel like a failure because I feel like I'm butting my head trying to get my nine-year-old to, to do what I want him to do right because maybe yeah. I spent too much time having conversation with him. A couple weeks ago, he had an issue with his buddy. He's like, mommy, I got to talk to him. I have to talk to him. And I'm like, yeah, sure you do. Do you want me to help you? Do you want to go through it? He said, no, I think I know what to do. I think I need to tell him. They had a conversation about how, you know, the one boy always got to do what he wanted to do. And the other two friends, including my son, didn't really have a say. And the two friends were not happy. And so they came to this consensus, the two, to talk to the one, did it at school, My child lost no sleep. He came home the next day, said, baby, how'd it go? You okay? You guys friends? He's like, yeah, we talked it out and we're all friends. That's awesome. Are you serious? As a nine-year-old to have that kind of advocacy for yourself, to understand other people's actions aren't necessarily your responsibility, and also to be able to clearly communicate what you need from other people and be okay with the repercussions of it. Like, if they were not going to be friends, and I told him, that could happen, baby. You guys are young, but he might be mad for a while. He was like... He needs to know that we all need to agree on what we play. And I'm like, 100%, right? So those failures that I probably thought when he was young and I thought, oh, my God, what are we doing here? Nine and a half, I just sat in awe of my child. And I said, oh, my, this is why I did all the things I did, right? Good for me. I'm patting myself on the back. That's
0: awesome. That's <laughs> huge. For somebody so young to to be thinking about those things and, and to be taking those lessons like that is, is huge. That's awesome.
1: It was crazy. My husband and I were like laying in bed, we're like, Maybe we're not as bad of parents as we think we are. Maybe it's like a C minus, you know, instead of like a D plus. Like maybe we're cruising at a C minus now. Who knows? Who knows?
0: That's all I mean, I worked I worked in childcare for a while when I was in high school and a little bit in college. And I can tell you I don't think there was a single child there who could have that conversation with their friends without it it being a, either a situation where one feels bullied or one decides to bully the other, or it becomes something where friendships are no longer present.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. Cause I guess even if we go a little bit further in this too, I know my parents raised us completely different and they were raised completely different. So I do get pushback from my parents, specifically my mom who will say, Oh, we didn't talk to you guys like that. We didn't explain so many things to you. We didn't do this. Right. So I guess even by their definitions, like I'm a, failure of a parent because I'm not pushing my kid to do things. I'm not forcing them into sports and we're having really deep impactful conversations because for me, it's more important to raise a kind empathetic person that will contribute to society. Right. Cause obviously we are in desperate need of those anymore, especially being so young. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting because by those definitions, right, I'm failing at parenting because my kids won't do what I want them to do at the flip of a, of, of a hat. Like, you know, some of us might've been raised to, but then you have this this whole instance here that just blows my mind still, that he just was like so so certain what needed to be done and did it, and he's nine, and they're still friends. The kids slept over last night, so it all That's worked awesome. out.
0: <laughs> so then was it really a failure, or was it just something where it took a little while to see the success?
1: It took a little while and a lot of tears on my part as my kids <laughs> are growing older to try to understand, because we're also in a weird time. They're both boys, right? And yeah. I, as a feminist, I'm not going to raise them I'll be my damnedest if I don't raise him to understand the value of, you know, using your voice and consent and advocacy, right? And standing up for those who don't have a voice for themselves. And so to see him be an advocate for himself, I'm like, all right, my job's done. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> that is awesome.
0: That's, that's awesome. That's very cool. And it, it's, I think it it's something that more... I think if more kids had that, not necessarily had the same parent, but had the same kind of like ability to, to learn from, from those experiences in that way, or to kind of take those, those things or, or to, to uh, zoom out from the individual situation and think about, you know, this is my friend, you know, maybe they're just not understanding what we, what the other two of us. Are feeling about this or maybe they're just not really thinking about it that way because maybe they're an only child or maybe like I was an only child and I can tell you to this day I still have a hard time when you know we're trying to make decisions in a group about what we want to do and I always kind of want to do my own thing and I have to kind of <laughs> remind myself like no we need to take the group into account here and, and everyone's opinions because you know it is it's not just me and so that's right. that is awesome and I applaud you guys for that
1: Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what exactly you know got us to this point in time. So if anybody's like, what did you do? I literally have no idea. I had no idea. Other than having meaningful conversations with my kids, age appropriate as they grew up. But I mean, we talk about everything with our kids. And whether people agree with that or not, I want to raise worldly children who understand. And that's why our kids go to public school up here, because it's so important for them to understand the way the world works. So we have these meaningful conversations about again, my nine-year-old, he's older, he's in third grade. So it's a little different than my five-year-old in kindergarten, but Talking about the Ukraine and Russia, you know, war that's going on and things like that too. Coming home, talking about that. We were talking about, you know, 9-11 when that happened last year and all these things that they just don't know because they're so young and that it happened to them. I mean, they'll come and ask these questions. Black Lives Matter, right? We had very deep conversations about these social movements because he's hearing it from his teachers. He's hearing it from the kids he goes to school with, right? And so we've always adopted a more holistic, worldly view when it comes to raising our kids. And I don't want to go off like super duper on kids here. But I think that when it comes to parenting, all of those things that seemed like failures at the time that I didn't understand, or I was like, oh my God, why am I stubbing my toe? Am I making it harder myself? I think now finally I'm seeing those successes come to fruition. And the, the life cycle is different than again, like the business of. Something doesn't happen that we want to happen with a marketing business or whatever. And then we pivot and we quickly adjust within like, you know, a couple of days, depending on the campaign or whatnot, to maybe a month before we have another touch base and kind of debrief our client and then learn to quickly move and flow. Because, I mean, we do a lot of digital work for our clients. So not only do we do website design and development, but we do a lot of digital marketing for them, social media and things like that too. And you got to be fast. You got to be quick. You can understand the basics and the concepts, but if you're not ready to move fast and pivot fast, you're going to be left in the dust like yep. 10 out of 10 times.
0: Yep. So kind of shifting over to business, um, you know, you've started a business and you had mentioned that you've tried to start some businesses before. So what are some things that people typically think about face value when they are starting a business? What are kind of the first things that people might think about? Cause when I think about it, it's like, you know, money, you always got to make sure you have the money, but there, and I think a lot of people do too, but like, what are the things do you think that people kind of blind, not blindly think about, but are like the first assumptions that people make when they say, Hey, I want to start this business of some kind?
1: Well, first of all, that you'll have any time because you don't have any time. You're like, Oh, I have freedom and flexibility and whatever. No, you don't. You definitely do not. And anybody that tells you that they do, I gotta say, I don't know, I just I can't believe it because as a person who has started multiple businesses, I know what it takes to to pour into yourself and to do the work that needs to be done to start a business. So when people talk to me still and they're like, "Oh, that's so great! You must have so much more freedom over your time." Jokes on them. Um, it doesn't work like that. I am at the beck and call of my clients whenever they need me, and that includes weekends, that includes evenings, that includes different time zones. So you know, flexibility in your schedule, sure, I have some, but I mean, you do, you spend a lot of time standing the business up, getting it running efficiently as you can and finding the right kind of partners. So if you're looking for something to be less work and save you time, starting a business is not that. (laughs) Um, I think what's another thing that we kind of go back and forth with? I mean, so to tack on to that, though, it it is very beautiful, though, that even though I don't have time, as they say, I do have the freedom to go like I was with my kids um, field trip on Thursday morning because I'm able to move my schedule around. So I do have flexibility like that. So as a mom and as a parent, that is a nice a nice um, kind of perk to that is 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 being able to kind of um, adjust my work schedule and need to be. Um. I think another common misconception is that if you start a business, you're going to be successful from the rip. Like we have been doing this for a decade. We've talked about this, my husband and I for, um, it's an ongoing conversation, but it's funny as the years tick on, like we have been trying to start businesses and have failed a lot of businesses in the past decade. And if you look at people, perhaps in our network that are like, Oh, look at them now, you know, they're like doing all these things and whatever, like, you know, it has, we ate shit for 10 years, pardon my language, but like we worked all the time. We worked on the weekends. We didn't see our kids. I mean, we poured into a bunch of different businesses that were not successful for a decade before we finally learned enough skills, had enough people we knew and had, had the backing and the, the kind of proof to go out there and do this marketing thing and say, yeah, we know what we're doing. Here's, here's the record of it. Right. I mean, a decade we've been at this. So if you think you're going to go out there and you're going to be like super successful, you could be, I'm not going to say that you're not, but the grind is a real thing. Um, And it, it really takes a lot out of you, you know, to, to get up every single day and try to want to, to kind of do that. And then the other thing I think is important to on that same token is not trying to succumb to what I consider toxic entrepreneurship. So you have those people out there like, don't get me wrong. I think Gary V is very powerful, but he has that subset of people that are like, you got to work your ass off. You got to work 27 hours a day, 375 days a year, which is impossible because first of all, none of that math, bad, none of that math, math, but no. you, people can't work like that. And we worked like that for so long. And then we looked at each other and we were like, we don't even have conversations outside of the business. We aren't doing anything like impactful, like, you know, personally, because we were spending so much time just dumping and giving and taking on more than we really should have. And so we finally looked at ourselves and this is thanks to COVID. I don't know how many people can say thanks to COVID, but we looked at ourselves and we were like, we can't work like this. This is unsustainable to be working 60 hours a week, two people working like this, trying to have a family, trying to do all these things because of this hustle culture that we got sucked into and it was like well if you're not working hard enough then you're not going to make enough if you're not working hard enough you're not a successful business owner and for the longest time we tied our, our identities to that we were, we were business owners that's who we were who is Vanessa business owner not like the creative the animal lover the fitness enthusiast right I was the business owner and so we were like we can't live like this people can't live Thinking that they've got to work 60 hours a week for years and years and years because you miss out on so much of the beautiful parts of life if that is what you think needs to be done to be successful. So again, there's people like Gary Vee out there. There's people like I'm sure Tony Robbins works like a million hours and those people too. That's fine. They've got a massive team. I don't have a massive team like that. I'm not trying to do this toxic thing where I have to, you know, bend over backwards and kill myself to work for years and years and years at 60 hours a week. That's not what I'm into.
0: Well, to your point, you're putting all this time into it, but what are you actually, what is the benefit to your life? You know, yeah. y- you, you mentioned, you know, getting to spend time with kids and, and everything like that and spending time with with your husband, but also like, is it actually worth it? if you're putting all of your time into this, like there are, you know, the Elon Musks and the, the, the people who, who say Gary V, the whole hustle culture thing. And I bought into that for a while. And I think just recently I've been able to kind of say, all right, well, I don't really care because I don't need to do that now. And if I want to do something, I can, I can, but mm-hmm. how do you, uh, there, there's one way in, that I have in mind that, that is the, hardest way to learn that you can't live like that and that is when you finally hit burnout but do you think there are other things that people will will see or will will get to where they can say hey you know what this isn't working before that or or is it something where really it's whatever burnout means to an individual person do you think that's kind of the only way people will learn
1: see i think i think it's twofold i think unfortunately the real wake up call is hitting burnout where you don't want to do it. You don't want to get out of bed. You're exhausted. You haven't slept right. You haven't eaten correctly. You know what I mean? You don't drink enough water and you're like, yep. I feel like trash. Like my eyes hurt and you're like, there has to be more to life in this. Right. When you hit that, you have you've gone, you've gone really far. We, I mean, yep. I have been there multiple times and before, you know, this past year when I really did some deep diving in myself, I have hit that probably once a year and then I'm like, okay, I'll take like a weekend off and then like right back at it. So it didn't really do what it was supposed to do. I think it's hard because as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, you will have people throughout your whole entire life that will say, Oh, well you used to have time for me and now you don't. Right. And that's not a good indicator of, of burnout and focusing because there's a lot of people out there that, especially when you do your own thing, don't want you to be successful even if they're friends, family or people that you thought cared about you. Some people don't want to see success for other people. Misery loves company. And those people don't need to be in your life. So that's a hard indicator to potentially use. Because if someone says, well, you didn't make time for me, it could just be because you chose to stop entertaining the relationship and the conversations because they weren't helping you, they weren't benefiting you. And you know, that person wasn't necessarily adding any kind of value to your life. And that's that's a hard reality as an entrepreneur to to realize you lose those people. I kind of like got off on tangent there. But any no, okay. other any other signs of burnout? I mean, that one's hard. It it is a constant refocus for me anymore to have hit burnout so many times and to stop and say, mm, "This feels like I'm there," or it feels like it feels like it's close, and I need to stop. I need to take an afternoon. I need to get back into painting. I need to sketch. Like, because I'm very artistic by nature and I do a lot of design on the computer. But it, as you know, it's not the same if you're doing it by hand, paint, yep. pencil, you know, even crayons with my kids, right? And so for me now, those those key indicators of being angry, like, oh, I don't want to do this. All this client's calling me. Oh, I'm getting this email, right? Where you're just like irritated by things that didn't used to irritate you. Yep. you're not sleeping well. If you just can't fall asleep, stay asleep or wake up any of those or all of those. It's like, okay, here it comes again. I know what's coming. Or you just don't want to sustain yourself in the ways you used to like you cu- you're cutting out exercise. And if that's big for you, that's a big deal. You're not focusing on, say you're a going out to eat person, you stop doing that, right? What are those little things you enjoy in your life? If you stop doing those things, that's another indicator for me where you're like, whoa, okay, this is really getting out of control. So I feel like if I looked back on it and if you have probably had burnout before, you can recognize if you're getting angry for little things, sleep is just hit or miss with you and it's never been like that before, or you're just not enjoying the things that you used to enjoy personally, you're probably either burnout or about to be there, so taking a step back and being like okay what do I do to recenter myself and how do I ground
0: myself again yep I've I have been there uh, I actually <laughs> one of the times that I really hit burnout I actually got a, I developed an eye twitch because it was so bad because I wasn't sleeping enough and I was just like constantly working and stressed um which is not a fun it's not a fun thing um yeah. with with working with grad school, I mean, I do have I do have some long hours during the semester, it's almost over. But I mean, it's it's something where it is productive, at least. Um, And I have started when I realized that I'm not being productive, if I'm, you know, up late, I end up saying, you know, I'm just not being productive, I'm just gonna go to bed, because at least then I at least get the sleep or some sleep. And then I can try and be productive the next day. The only thing with that is, is I used to be the person who could stay up all night, um, be productive and and be productive in work and then i started rightfully in my own head saying all right well if i'm not being productive by this time of night i need to go to sleep what that ended up leading to is i was not being productive at all Um, and so (laughs) then you have to learn how to be productive other times of the day or carve out some time or force yourself to in a grad school context kind of force yourself to to have those boundaries and and be productive and then eventually you're either going to be productive in the time that you give yourself or you're going to realize that there's something else going on focus wise or you know you're distracted by by other things you know um i think on top of on top of what you said about you know signs of, of burnout or that you're getting close i would say um when you're entertaining things kind of start to get in the way of your productivity Um, so like Mm -hmm. video games or say you're watching like i i keep youtube up while i'm working but it doesn't it's not distracting i just needed a break i i'm a huge fan of music but after a while i had to kind of take a break because i was listening to the same things over and over and over again (laughs) and i just needed something different i'll go back to it but i needed something different so i'll have youtube up and i'll be watching like uh minecraft videos and things like that or i'll you know Um, Or I'll watch like old, old TV shows that I've already seen and just have something in the background. But like when you start to have other things that you have to actively give your attention to, that is a sign that you are probably not happy with what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, or you're trying to distract yourself because of a variety of reasons, right? Your brain is just like, I can't focus on this anymore. I have ADHD. And so sometimes it's hard for me to balance when is it burnout or when is it my adhd kicking in and like how do i evaluate right because sometimes they're related my adhd really kicks in because i am burnout so i need to actively do something different because my brain just isn't capable of like doing what needs to be done or focusing or anything like that so i absolutely agree with that too of, of being distracted and knowing knowing you need to get things done but putting your time elsewhere And that procrastination that comes with that can be a surefire sign of burnout because you're right. I mean, you don't like what you're doing at the time or for a business owner. Sometimes that means I need to outsource that. So if it's something that continuously I stub my toe on like that, that is distracting, it's probably not something in my skill set that I enjoy doing. And I need to find someone else to do it. And then I can go back through and say, okay, this is good or not. Right. So that's what's, that's what's kind of hard about what we do is because as we've moved and ebbed and flowed over the past four and a half years, we have such a wide variety of clients in a ton of different industries. People are like, who do you work with? And I'm like, uh, a lot of different people. I don't have, we don't siphon ourselves and silo ourselves in specific industries. We've tried that a few times and then different people in other industries come. So we're just like, if you're looking for our services, that's fine for now. You know, it's just us and a couple of yep. uh, freelancers and things like that too. But I mean, to try to find people to bring in, to help offset some of the work too. Again, even with my husband, um, same thing for him. If it's something that we are stubbing our toe on because we just don't want to do it, is it burnout or is it something that we need to find someone who's more talented and capable of doing and have them do that instead?
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I also have ADHD and I that has been a, a large portion of the struggle with, you know, studying and and everything like that, because I, you know, there's, there's all those myths about, you know, things you can do that help study. There's the, the, what's it called? The Pomodoro method, which I haven't tried yet. I've heard it is helpful, but it also, to your point, is it ADHD or is it burnout? Or is it just that like, you're just not having a good day? It could it just be that you were just not having a good day that day. And, just, there is just a lot going on and it, it just makes it difficult. And so it is, it is tough and it's important to be kind of mindful of it when you can be, because that can help real, it can help you realize, you know, what you need to do, how you need to pivot. Um, yeah, so that is, I think
1: that self-awareness piece, I think is something that that I think really helped me with that for the longest, the longest time I didn't have that self-awareness piece and that capability of understanding and kind of diving into myself and seeing, you know, is it me or is it the situation? Because yep. when I took the time and I jumped in, I was like, oh, a lot of the things that I'm stubbing my toe on, it's me. It's, I'm my own problem. I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the one standing in my own way. I'm making this way more difficult than it needs to be. Right. And then that helped me understand some of those situations with my ADHD where I was like, Oh, I see why I'm like this or why I do this. Right. I, You're laughing yep. because you get I'm, it. That's y- the
0: way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because you say why I am like this. And I, I am the person <laughs> that when I enter a situation, right? Like I had a group project this past semester and I immediately told them, I was like, I have ADHD. It's probably <laughs> going to be annoying at a certain point, but it's also going to be a great tool for us. So just like, use it. <laughs> I want you to know ahead of time. I, I want you to be prepared for what all of this entails. I was like, yeah. I will hold myself accountable, but I also need you to hold me accountable just in case. Never had to have anybody hold me accountable aside from we were working on um we we were working on a project um like the project and it was coming between me saying, I'm I can do this or um do we need to find another way to do this that that will work. And it was basically um and this kind of pivots into something that I'd like I would love to ask you about it too is is acquiring new skills. So I prior to this semester, um, I had never used InDesign. Um, it was something I have access to because I have Adobe Creative Cloud, but I had yeah. never used it and it was something where this project in short was a business plan that we had to put together for a client in our in our area. Um, it's for a it was for a, an agency that specifically works with uh, automotive dealers, although they're kind of branching out. Um, and I have to tell you it, I, I kept saying I'm going to take a LinkedIn Learning class on InDesign throughout the semester so that I make sure that I know what I need to be doing and how, how to use this thing. Um, I did not finish that. I got a portion. <laughs> it's of the, the ADD. Way it. It's it's the ADHD. It's I got a portion of the way through. It. Uh I got no. I so I started it at the beginning and then I got about two or three slides into it. And then I said, okay, I can continue this. And then I did not pick it back up until about two weeks before the thing was due.
1: Um, <laughs> and then
0: ended up with, uh, you know, so we, I started on it. And it was one of those things where like, if we had been able to outsource, we couldn't in this case because we had to sign an NDA. Um, you know, it was not something where I could, you know, have a friend or, you know, something like that. We could have we gone the route of, um, you know, what's a simpler way for us to put this together where it still comes out nice. Um, and I, you know, we could have done something with, you know, word and then putting it into a PDF and it just, it wouldn't have looked the same. Um, and so what we ended up doing is, and I don't necessarily recommend this for all cases, especially not when you are being paid to, and this isn't directed at you, this is directed more <laughs> at anybody listening Yeah. Um, because you, I am sure know this one, but, but um, <laughs> if you are doing something for a client who is paying you, I do not recommend taking shortcuts that uh, may you know, it, it didn't, we were, we were very lucky. So I made it through, I would say two thirds to three quarters of the, the book. And I'll show you afterwards. It's out of reach right now. So I can't grab it. And, um, (laughs) but, uh, and then I, I did the entire thing in InDesign. I created backgrounds in Photoshop and then pulled them in. Um, We were at the last say third to a quarter of the book. And every single night I was up until four making, making progress, but it just could not, could not get far enough. And so what we finally ended up doing is we said, okay, how can we do this? And one nice thing was we were able to have everybody put together a specific section so that it was still consistent. Um, we put together a section of it in word, uh, with the same background, um, and then turned them into PDFs and imported them into InDesign. Now. Mm, Yeah. Backwards
1: way. Sometimes you have to do it like that. Sometimes Sometimes you have have to, to. we had to get
0: it to the printer and we had to do it (laughs) now. Um, I if I had given myself enough time it, it, because it is it it was on me um I didn't give myself enough time I had the time I did not take that time to to do it um I we could have finished it up and and I'll show you afterwards but it it really doesn't look bad there is a noticeable thing that we all noticed because we were looking at this thing every single day and we we all know that it's there the client's never going to notice it no, um, no. so Absolutely. that kind of pivots into Um, the decision process of do you try to pick up a new skill or do you try to outsource?
1: Oh my God. This is something I go back and forth on all of the time because I am a collector of skills is what I'll consider myself. I like to just learn new things and I'm also stubborn enough to say, well, I can do it better. Right. I'm competitive. I'm stubborn. I say, Oh no, I can do that better. Right. To kind of go off on a related, but tangent here. We had, um, we were wedding, we still are wedding photographers, but we only take a few clients a year. So when we were heavily into wedding photography a few years ago in the area, we would be part of bridal shows um, where like brides and grooms and couples and whoever was getting married would come to these events. and They would meet a bunch of different photographers. I'm sure anybody who has been married in the past four or five years or is getting married knows exactly what I'm talking about. Just like basically a vendor fair, but for the bridal industry. So we would be in these bridal fairs, and I was always very underwhelmed. I was like, they're not doing the things they need to be doing. They're not marketing this right. I spent a couple hundred dollars to be here, and I maybe met one client at the time. Yeah, I guess the ROI was was better there, right? A couple hundred dollars versus a couple thousand dollars for wedding photography. Yeah. But I still wanted to make it worth my while more so, naturally, in true Vanessa fashion. I said, well, I'm just going to make my own bridal fairs. I mean, how hard can it be? Tyler, the joke's on me. It is actually very challenging to do that while still and at the time we were working, both of us were working nine to five. So not only that, we had two full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, if I recall, we had at least one of our kids. I don't remember if the other one was around, and we were wedding photographers, and I was trying to coordinate these bridal fairs. So in my mind, I said, Oh no, 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 I can do this. And to my credit, they were wildly successful. I mean, I still have people being like, Hey, are you guys doing these anymore? And it's been I don't know, five years maybe since I've done one. I'm like, nope, no interest, (laughs) absolutely not. I did not sleep. I there was just way too much coordination on the end of it too. But so then to come back to the skills thing, it is so hard for me still to this day. And I don't know if it's my ADD, I don't know if it's my creative streak, I don't know if it's because who I am as a human being. I still struggle with. Do I pick up this skill and do I learn it? Is it something that's going to add value to me or my clients in the future if it's something that I do? Or do I look at it and say, okay, well, I just need to understand the basics of it so that I can give direction and make sure I'm going to get what I need to get for my client to whoever I'm going to hire to do that. Yep. I, if anybody has any tips on that ever and can give me some advice on how to have a criteria of learn the skill or offload it. I would love it. Send me a checklist, send me some kind of quiz, send me anything you can on that. Cause I think that that's a hard thing as a business owner, as someone who likes to learn, I'm always trying to learn. And as someone who has ADD, right? We pick up things all the time. We start these things, we get psyched, then we get distracted and then we forget it. And you put it out of this, out of sight, out of mind. And it is so true when you have ADHD, if you do not see it and it is gone somewhere, it does not exist.
0: Oh, 100%. It's so I, during COVID, and I say during COVID, because, and I know that everybody likes to politicize COVID, but I, I'm <laughs> using this as like a, a time frame, you know, BCE or, or you know, all, all of that, like, you know, a division of time. During COVID, yeah. um, Crin learned to make bread, which is delicious. She also made bagels one time, which were really good, but we, we've we learned since then that there's a couple ingredients that we should add to make them just like that much better. Yeah. Um I, because we moved into a house and I have a space for it, I have taken up woodworking again, which is something I haven't done since I was in high school, but it's something that I really enjoy. Um, we took up gardening. So I built all of the planters and uh, a sectional and a chair for outside in our patio and um, I started a podcast. I recently had to take a break from this podcast because of grad school, but it also, to your point, it was something where it was out of sight, out of mind. um, And it's still, it's something where, you know, because I'm finishing up grad school and I'm just trying to kind of get through it, I may not have as consistent of episodes for a little bit, Um, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. And so I'm like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm still doing these. On top of that, I took up, uh, oh, I've been playing a lot more video games, which is just something I've always done um there was something else that i oh hot sauce making um (laughs) okay why not yeah really random so we have in our garden we've been growing some chili peppers which we actually took seeds from chili peppers that we bought at the store um which the weirdest thing we've had the weirdest success so we've bought seeds from seed companies and seeds from Things that we bought at the store the stuff that we've planted based on seeds from produce from the store has done so much better than seeds from a seed company and it's it's probably because the stuff at the store is gmos and everything like that yeah. and the stuff from the seed company is all heirloom seeds but it's just the weirdest thing so we're growing chili peppers and i was like ooh, i want to make hot sauce with these but i had i think six chili peppers and you need like a pound of them to make hot yeah. sauce. And I was very impatient. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go buy a pound of, of chili peppers and some peaches and some Vidalia onions. And so I made hot sauce. It came out, it, for a first batch, it came out pretty good. I was expecting it to have to dump the entire batch and it actually came out pretty good.
1: Look at you. Congratulations. Cause Thanks. I didn't know nothing about hot sauce and I can't imagine it was like easy by any stretch of the imagination.
0: So it was I'll send you a picture of, of or a couple of pictures of the process. It actually wasn't too bad. The worst part about it was just knowing when it was actually done. Um mm. because so I'll send you there's a few because hot um, sauce
1: it's not hot, it's just like basically a salsa, you know? Like is it salsa yeah. or is it hot sauce?
0: Well that and also I found out. Because um, I, I didn't, this is this is probably the ADHD and the wanting to learn and the wanting it to be perfect. Yes. Um, I didn't want to just store it in mason jars in the fridge. Sure. I bought on Amazon, which you can buy, actual like hot sauce bottles. Yeah. That have the... Um, they have the little inside cap thing that let's just like a droplet. It has the, the cap. It has the shrink wrap thing for the top of it and labels. Like I it's called what do I call it creeping heat because it is, I, I needed, there's a few things missing from it that next time I make it, I will add. Cause it's, there's not a huge taste. There is a flavor, but there's not a huge taste to it. Um, but then the heat kind of comes in a little bit. It's not crazy hot, but it just like comes in a little bit. But like I, I bought a pH meter so I could test it because if the pH is above, Four point, I want to say it's four point six, but then they also say you have to keep it down in like the three, the low threes. Um, it can potentially be a breeding ground for bacteria, and mm. I wanted to share it with people. And I'm not going to share hot sauce that A can make them sick and B I'd have to say, hey, you have to use this in the next week or it will go bad. Yeah. Um. So I I had to cook it. Um. I I cooked it. I cooked the the ingredients. Um, you basically you take the tops off of the, the peppers and then you put everything kind of in. I cut up the, the peaches and things, you put them in, you boil them in vinegar, and then you blend it all together. That made a giant mess in the kitchen. I don't know what size blender um these hot sauce companies use. I mean, they must have like an industrial Probably size. Massive, m- yeah. yeah, it's gotta be an industrial size mixing thing. Um 64 ounces overflowed our uh, our blender. Um <laughs> it it would not fit in the food processor and actually leaked out. I think that's because the food processor is a little old. Probably. Um and then I thought I was done. I poured it into the two mason jars, exactly 64 ounces, but it looked like salsa. And I was like, this doesn't, I put, I tweeted it out a picture of it and I was like, yeah, this is, this is hot sauce, but I was like, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't look the way I, like I got Yeah. And we you have hot we sauce that. that we like, and it just doesn't look right. And so I said, all right, what do I need to do? And so I said, okay, I need to put it back in, boil it again. And boil it down so that it would be right and sure enough it came out just right but it's like one of those things that like I didn't want to just go buy hot sauce like I wanted to make my own just because I figured I could do it better <laughs> yeah. and it's not as good as my favorite hot sauce but it's still good and it's fun and yes so it
1: is and so that's But to your point though you said you know trying to be perfect and is that an ADHD like is that a telltale no. of that because I feel like I try to do things not only because I think I can do it better right but I, it, and then if it gets, if it's not perfect, I get discouraged and then I put the stuff away and then I don't see it again. We got a basement full of tons of different supplies and crafting and home, homeworking. And I mean, you name it, we renovated some of our house um, during COVID and things like that. And all the stuff sits untouched because I probably did it and it wasn't perfect. And I got annoyed and yep. then I put it away and out of sight out of mind. Man, I didn't realize that. Look at that. You're teaching me something. It's Perfectionism is ah yeah there it is that
0: makes sense that tiktok makes sense. taught me that one <laughs> <laughs> tiktok taught me that having uh, adhd means i'm neurodivergent which is fun. yes oh my gosh
1: i am on neurodivergent tiktok too and there's a lot of things where i'm like oh my gosh i had no idea and they yeah. say i mean with women specifically we're very underdiagnosed yep. for it and i have had people mention it to me over you know my adult life like do you think you have it? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and now I realize that I use like coffee as a way to focus yep. myself. Right. So you, oh, you yeah. slug coffee. Yeah. I've slugged coffee my whole life and people think I'm weird, but now I realize it's to make myself focus because otherwise I can't and I'll be yeah. every place. So TikTok, you know, all yeah. my clients are on it because it's the best place to be. And damn, do you learn something on this?
0: It, it. it actually <laughs> is. I'll send you a report actually that my company put out about TikTok and like demographics ar- yeah. around it. It, it was very surprising. It's a publicly available thing. Um, yeah. But it's like, it was pretty surprising. And like the value that TikTok has, especially for like smaller businesses, because the low cost of entry for it, because um, yeah. you can, I mean, it's really easy to just, I mean, you don't have to do it. You don't have to pay anything. You can just create your own videos as a business. And that's all you need to do. Um,
1: I mean, we have a client out in Pennsylvania. So every single one of our clients has a TikTok because to go back to the failure, the success and failure, right? I started talking about TikTok a year and a half ago with my clients. I'm like, you got to be on them. They're like, first of all, some of them, because they're they're like, some of them are older, you know, uh, business owners and things like that. They're like, "Uh, what are you talking about? And at the (laughs) time, it was going around in the news, right, about how they were going to ban it here and things like that, too. And I'm like, no, you got to get TikTok. And they're like, "Mm." so here I am, like, secretly signing up on behalf of my clients, because I'm like, I got to get your names. I got to get your handles, right? Because if you want this, I want you to have it. I'll be damned if we don't have customers asking us now, like, hey help us get on TikTok. Hey, yeah. new clients coming in. Hey, we want to get on TikTok. Tell us what you guys do because I have a client. Now in this industry that they're in, so we're going to tie it back to success and failure. In the industry that they're in, they have a very tight knit group of people. So they're in like the um, first responders type of, okay. I don't think we have an NDA, but I'm not sure. So I'm just going to talk lightly yeah. about this. So they're in like the first responders type of, of industry, right? That whole EMTs, firefighters, police officers, nurses, all first responders. Their TikTok is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They have, they're following on there. We gained, I was with them last week for a trade show. They gained like 1,500 followers just from some of the content I was putting out. And it's all free, right? I mean, I have staffing and recruiting clients on there. We've got transformational business coaches on there. We've got, like, I mean, you name it, you can get on it. So when I was having these conversations with clients a year and a half ago, when they looked at me like I was insane, and I'm sitting (laughs) here like, am I crazy? Right. These are people who would never have thought to be on this platform. And I'm like, yep. no, you have to, you have to. And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, am I going to, th-? they're going to look at me and they're going to think that I'm a, a butthead. Right. They're going to be like, yep. what is this girl talking about? Right. Yep. So at the time I'm like, am I fighting this fight for a reason? Am I mm-hmm. just, am I insane? Right. Is there a failure here? What is my lesson going to be now a year and a half later, we have clients that are like, no, you need to tell us how you did this for this client. I want you to do it for me. And I'm like, yep. you got it. You got it. You got it. Right. Because at the time, However, I decided that that was important. Now, a year and a half later, which is a long trend for for social media, for marketing and things like that. Here we are now where people are getting found. People are creating new lives for themselves. Businesses are exploding on TikTok.
0: Of all places. TikTok. Of all places. When it's crazy, it's easy to be found. I mean, my last guest um, is one of my fraternity brothers, um, Samuel Herb. He's a musician out in Nashville. And we were talking about how it is very easy. It, it's like the new MySpace. Like, it's very easy for musicians to to get found. And, to, and he's even said he knows several who have gotten contracts just because of the content they published on TikTok. Yeah. And it's, it's insane. But it's also a way, social media in general, but especially TikTok, is a great way to at, with low risk, test out new things, and if you fail, yep. you can learn from it. And I know I'm just kind of cir- like circling it back to, to to failure on there, but like it really is because what is the actual cost of you know a a small business, a mom and pop shop, or you know a, a couple of people just putting out something about like if if they own a small restaurant or something like that, and they just say, hey, this is our restaurant, we make this food, and it's just you know the food is ridiculously beautiful looking and probably tastes even better all it costs you what the cost of making the food and you may actually have already been selling that anyways. And you just took a quick picture or, or the, the time yeah. for the photographer, or if you're the, like, if, if the owner is the photographer, like it's very low cost to just try things out and see what works. And not everyone is going to be, um, the Duolingo owl. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, that's not going to work for everybody. That is something that I think right. a lot of people can learn from, but it is, you know, it, it is crazy how all of these brands have just blown up on TikTok, some on Twitter, um, and are really using it to to really make an impact. And it's it's very organic, and it, it's interesting because like Facebook and Instagram are still they're still used by a lot of people, and they mm-hmm. still have advertising and everything like that. But everyone is talking about TikTok
1: to some mm-hmm. extent,
0: Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, like all of these things where you can very easily and for either low or no cost get in test things out if it doesn't work it doesn't work but especially on tiktok it is working for a lot of people
1: yeah i mean to your point though kind of taking it a little further i mean when you look at the way the way things are going with web 3 and the metaverse and things like that too i mean there are big businesses doing things that could be huge failures or that could be massively successful when we look at the future in 10, 20, 30 years of the way that we will interact with one another in a web type interface, right? It will become Fortnite in real life. It will become the Sims and we will be walking and interacting with things in our own virtual reality, right? And we all, anybody who's in this space can can tell you that that's where this is going, right? But I was just reading something where it was McDonald's and somebody else started essentially buying the ability to buy like I think it was like buildings or like like land in the web in web 3 in the metaverse they were doing something trademark they were doing something they were capturing some kind of intellectual property tied to McDonald's and some other it might have been Coca-Cola yeah look it up and see what it was because I read it and I was like if they're making moves to try to do something to capitalize on that in Web3 and the metaverse, it's either going to be a massive failure, like the starting of Bitcoin, right? We kind of look back at yep. it and think how cool was that, but that was like kind of failure, right? Or it's going to be a mass ex- massive success, right? What did you find on it? What, what I can't remember exactly so what.
0: this is the Business Insider, Insider article. Uh, McDonald's has filed a trademark for a restaurant in the metaverse that will actually deliver food to your home. McDonald's has mm-hmm. filed trademarks for a virtual restaurant that will deliver food online and in person. One covered entertainment services and events, including online actual and virtual concerts, which those small side thing, what Fortnite did with concerts like last year and the year before. Incredible. Incredible, awesome experience. I, ha- I haven't played in a while, but like the experiences that they built are a, a proof of concept that, well, to them they're not, but they're a proof of concept that things like that will get huge attention. Like yeah. you have big stars involved. And now in this Panera has also filed a trademark for a Panera verse.
1: <laughs> yeah. So some of these things, right. Panera, Panera verse, probably not going to happen. McDonald's yeah. buying the trademark in like, like this whole business inside something that isn't actually even tangible. Right. Web yep. three, the metaverse, the way we will exist and interact with one another and businesses in the next few decades. Yep. When I read that, I was like, this is fascinating. Because oh, yeah. it's either going to be a massive failure, and they're yep. just going to have spent all this money, not like it really matters, because McDonald's has, you know, even more yeah, money than we probably actually oh, know yeah. how yep. much money they have, or it's going to be so massively successful, and the payout is a decade from now, right, yep. where they're going to be leading the industry in this reality we've created, in which they have these businesses, these buildings, these restaurants in a completely augmented reality fake. Oh yeah. Universe, which is just blows my mind. Just blows L'Oreal.
0: My mind. L'Oreal also bought some, and uh, Victoria's Secret applied for one. Ralph Lauren, DKNY, Abercrombie and Fitch uh it said walmart I'm trying to find that one mcdonald's for mm-hmm. they they filed it for mcdonald's and mccafe which that would be cool to have like a separate mccafe location and mcdonald's if you're listening to this which i know you're not but if you are
1: in the future yeah let manifesting.
0: <laughs> manifest in the, in the future a mccafe location i'm sure you've thought of it so this is not an original idea but if you haven't i want money for that yeah uh, for an individual is. coffee shop that is just mccafe yeah. because some of their stuff is pretty good uh red bull is doing one um disney is doing one so like I think with that, to your point, it's going to probably be a success, but not initially in the way that they think it's going to. It's going to be something where, well, the first thing is, is the the access to it. Um, you know, it's going to, it's currently only going to be really accessible to people who have VR headsets and, and things like that. Now I could order a $400 Oculus, or actually there's a $300 version Oculus headset and have it here. And I could do, I could just jump in but I think the computing power is gonna is gonna be a, a huge thing too. But the fact that businesses that that huge names see the value in this tells me that either a lot of them are gonna have bet a lot of money on something that will fail, or they know something that we don't and they're planning on on really capitalizing on it. Mm-hmm. And it will be interesting to see how not just business in general, but how like marketing changes in that, because they're not just going to have, you know, you're not going to just be in the metaverse and just see a billboard. Like it's going to yeah. be a whole immersive experience. And this is something like, um, you know, talking about like businesses failing, uh, Toys R Us. Yeah,
1: so yeah. I was working
0: for a company that no longer exists that was handling um, Toys R Us as e-commerce. And I was loading a campaign for, it was either Barbie or Legos and when we checked a click tracker, it went to the that page, that heartbreaking page that had a pop up that said something to the effect of, um, uh, "You know, the the we have, we appreciate all of the memories that you've built with Toys R Us and all of the Toys R Us Toys R Us kids who have been created all over all the years, something like that." And I was like, "This is a problem." So then, fast forward, you know, we find out that they were doing things with money that wasn't great, and and their ownership and and things like that. But then we, we find out that they are creating some experiences in the physical world. Um, they had some pop up shops a year or two ago um, that I had remember, yeah. like really cool experiences. They were smaller, um, but they had like experiential things, not just you know you can go in and play video games. You could always do that, but like actual experiences in there, or like um, Bonobos. I think one of the mm-hmm. ones that Walmart owns um, had in some of their stores, a, an an augmented reality one where you could stand in front of a mirror, um, that would then show you what the clothes look like on you. Or now we have iPhone apps and Android apps and things like that. That'll, you can like, um, it'll show you, I think, I don't know if Lowe's has it. One of, one of those has it where you can, it'll show you the room. You have your camera pointed at the room and it, shows you what a piece of furniture would look like. It, it,
1: yeah, you it, could do that on Amazon good. sometimes too. I, I've yeah. actually used that. Yep. And I actually bought a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses this week because I was able to virtually try them on my face That's because cool. I didn't know which ones what I would like because I have a few pairs and I wanted a different style. And I said, am I going to be able to wear this? And I use their augmented reality little, their my forward-facing camera, my selfie camera, and I tried them on and I landed on a pair and sure shit, I got them. And I was like, these are so cute these are perfect, yep. but without that experience before of that kind of personalization, without going into a business, which I think is something that businesses everywhere can learn from, right? If you're, if you found failure in last year and you're like, how do I create these instances in these interactions with consumers in a way that connects with them where they are, right? And we talk to to this at length with our clients because we do B2B and both B2C. Yep, And it's, How do you create experiences for customers that get them bought into your story and see the value in in transacting with you, but in a way that meets them where they are? So if you're a B2C, but customers aren't necessarily going into malls and things like that, how do you pivot and how do you create these experiential type of interactions with them? Because that's what consumers crave. They want the personalization, personalization And they want that kind of care and compassion that comes with a one-on-one. But we don't always want to go into the store. I mean, if I yep. try to bring my kids into any kind of store anymore after COVID of the backwards <laughs> learning of how to be in society, no one is having fun. The workers yep. are not having fun. The other shoppers are not. I am not having any fun. So what can I do in the instance of like Ray-Ban where I'm like, I'm not going to take my kids into a sunglass shop at five nine. They're going to try and everything. They're probably going to break a bunch of stuff. Yep. Expensive sunglasses. I get on Ray-Bans and they're like, do you want to virtually try these on? And I'm like, yes, I do. (laughs) I absolutely do. So any of those businesses that maybe, you know, had a tough year and a half and they're like, I don't know. I feel like we're never going to come out of this weird period of time. We can call it a period of failure. You just got to figure out, you got to look to some of these bigger names and what are they doing and how can we do it? How can we take it? You know, obviously people don't have McDonald's budget. How can we take that? and? connect with our customer and then also pair it with a budget that like we can afford to do and then it all circles back to things like we talked about before tiktok right yep. you don't, hardly need anything to be able to go out there and connect you know with your audience on tiktok so if you did not have the best year and a half two years because of covid and you're looking to reinvent yourself and try to find success tiktok metaverse nfts if that's applicable to you any of that kind of stuff that's coming out keep your eye on that stuff it's fascinating
0: it is it's crazy how much is now available to people and to to small business owners and and to people who might not have the budget for these big things that mm-hmm. that didn't exist. I mean even if we want to just talk about the cloud, like I I enjoy web development and things like that and I'm I'm learning Python, but like I would have never been able to learn these things when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I didn't have access to a a more powerful computer or I didn't have access to servers or things like that. Now everything's online, you can store whatever you want in the cloud. And you don't have to have a server stack in your closet just to run a website or run your own website, you know? And so it's, it's there, I think there's a lot of room for businesses to take risks and you may not always succeed. You may, you may fail a lot. Um, But there is that room now where it's not going to be the end of your business. If you try something and it doesn't work, whereas back then it would cost you so much money to to attempt something. Um, Yeah.
1: And consumers forget really easily. Also, I mean, the attention span anymore is like, if you look at statistics on like Facebook and stuff like that too, they quantify views on videos of three seconds or longer. Right. So the attention span of humans anymore as it sits in society right now is like three seconds. So even if you're going out there and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to put myself out there because I might fail. I might make a mistake. I might do something. People forget, unless it's a huge blunder, unless like you're a massive company and you go out and you do something really stupid, uh, people forget people get busy people focus on other things and if it was a failure to you honestly it might have just been a failure to you and or no one's going to remember in you know a week or two or something like that but more often than not as a business owner and working with other smaller businesses right we're talking about like Generally, we sit between five and 50 million dollars when we work with businesses, so they are big businesses. But I mean, we're not talking about Coca Cola and and, um, McDonald's, things like that, too. Even some of those types of things where they're like, I don't know if we're going to put our neck out there, unless it's a huge blunder because it was something you know, questionable or controversial, your customer's not going to know, it's going to be maybe a failure to you, or they're not even going to understand the message, you know. So,
0: yep, and there's been a lot of those over the years where I mean. The, the big ones come to mind: New Coke, um, mm-hmm. the Pepsi Kendall Jenner ad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there have been a few. Or like recently, I saw was a uh, Land Rover Defender ad that got pulled in Europe because they were the ad showed that they were using the backup camera and it was alerting the the driver that it was coming up to the edge of a cliff. And people said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. We own this car; it doesn't do that." And they had. <laughs> I to didn't actually- hear about that one. They actually had to pull the ad because it was false advertising. Yeah, um, because they, they tried to uh land or Range Rover was trying or Land Rover, whichever the parent company is, tried to defend it and say, Oh, it was detecting the boulders that were behind. And that is what set it off. And they were like, No, it still wouldn't that wouldn't have done it. And so it's like, but nobody's gonna remember that it It right. was and most people I don't even know if they, they aired that ad in the US anyways. So like, it, it, in the US, nobody knows about it in Europe how many people actually saw it before they they pulled it. And now that they've pulled it, people will say, all right, well, they pulled it. So, you know,
1: okay, let's move but, on. Right. Like, yeah, cause...
0: exactly. And to the, to the company, yeah, it was a failure of an ad, but like, it, you got some I'm PR sure, out of it. Yeah. You got some PR. It wasn't great, but it was PR out of it. And you know, there was some money spent on the ad, but you still got something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it's hard to look anymore just because everyone's still after COVID and things like that are, are so, you know, so it, you know, cash is still king, right? So a lot of businesses are like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what the return on investment is in this, or I don't know what's going to cost or whatever. And I understand that because it is, you know, it is post COVID times and it's still unprecedented, which I hate to say that after two years of saying that on repetition, but sometimes as a business, you've got to try something and you have to see if it works and just know that, you know, perhaps three out of four times you're going to fail. But if you hit that successful one and that fourth time, you're like, whoa, this is what's up. Cause I mean, if you think about it, going back to like Fortnite and stuff like that too, I mean, all the things that they do, my kids are obsessed with it. I spend so much money on V-Bucks all the time. They want, my kids are like into like cryptocurrency now because they exchange chores for V-Bucks. So we have a chore chart and their payout is not cash. It is virtual dollars in Fortnite. And if you look at the way Fortnite kind of came up to its – and granted, obviously, it's been around a lot longer than my kids have been playing it. But for me, I look at it and I'm like, this is sickening for me as a parent because I'm just shutting all this money to, to Fortnite. But the way that they create these outfits and the way that they create yep. the skins and all these things that they need – and it does not enhance the game at all, right? Nope. You don't get anything from it. You they can't do that. anything – You can't do anything special with it, right? You just look cool. The emotes, right? And all the things like that too. At one time, someone was probably like, let's try this. And somebody else probably said, that sounds kind of dumb, right? No one's going to buy that. No one's going to buy skins that you can't do anything with. Well, joke's on me and a lot of other parents out there because we are spending money on just the outfit changes in this virtual reality for my kids to play this game. So sometimes the payout is immediate. You can learn from that failure right away. Sometimes it takes years and sometimes in cases it takes decades, right? But you got to take the chance and you got to be okay with failure. You just have to be. Yep.
0: And it, it, failure is an uncomfortable thing and it's never going to be a comfortable thing. But I think it's recognizing that, okay, I failed. I can't change that. But what can I learn from it so that next time I don't make the same failure or that next time, you know, I, I succeed and don't have to, you know, have a similar experience with another type of failure.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's business life, parenting, relationships, right? Even in relationship with yourself, any of that kind of stuff is all it's all that, Tyler, you're exactly right. Yep.
0: So, what are some things that you think people can learn from from your experiences or from some of the things that we've we've talked about just kind of in general?
1: Um, I think so I, we we keep touching on this and I think this is important for anything, but like you can't be afraid of failure. Whatever failure, whatever the definition is to you, whatever that looks like and whatever that feels like, you can't be afraid of it. Everyone fails more people than you think, right? More people, social media makes it hard because you go out there and I even have this imposter syndrome type of thing where I look at other entrepreneurs and I'm like, well, they've been in business like less time than I have or whatever. And I'm not as successful as, as them as they present themselves. A lot of that's bullshit, right? A lot of that's just smoke and mirrors, you know, whatever story they're trying to tell. And I'm not trying to dog that person, right? Do your own thing. Hopefully you're wildly successful, but hopefully you're also happy, right? So failure, no one can be afraid of that. No one can look to other people and say, well, this person is successful and therefore I'm a failure, right? You have to come up with your own definition of truly what failure looks and feels like. So take the time to go out there, fail. Try to understand what that looks like to you and then know that the success, anytime there's a failure, there will be a success. But what does, at least in my world, this is what I believe, what does that look like and how can you apply that to an instance sometime in the future, whether that is a failure and then within five minutes the success, right, because you learned something. Is it the failure? And then is it, uh, six months from now? Right. Because maybe even personally, you know, in a relationship marriage friendships, you have that failure and you say, well, I shouldn't have said what I said to that person. Right. And then in six months you're having this deep and factual conversation about something related to that. And you're like, Oh my God, here is the success to that really uncomfortable failure that I had at that time with that person. Or in the case of McDonald's, right. Buying the, the, um, trademark and things like that in the metaverse to maybe hopefully they hope in a decade from now have all the success that they want in the metaverse in the doing their McCafes and all the things that they want to do with that too right so what what does that look like and when do those successes come sometimes you just have to leave it up to the world and you have to just kind of write it out you have to just see see what that lesson will apply to in the future and then just learn as much as you can in the moment
0: that makes a lot of sense and is very important and I I know we've we've talked about a lot and so I I think what would be if there were three things that people could take away from this because we did talk we talked about a lot of different things but if there were three (laughs) three things that are the most important things that people could take from this what would they be
1: um failure is definitely in the eye of the beholder just like beauty right failures in the eye of the beholder um if you think you're failing as a parent, welcome to the club. We all think that, right? Like I said, to my fellow parents out there. No one ever is successful at parenting, sorry. And don't look at failure as bad. Look at failure as just, it is simply a learning lesson. And so take that to personal, business, relationships, anything like that. I would say those are probably the three takeaways from my life up until now. Those are the three.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. This has been an awesome conversation and I appreciate you awesome. you coming on the podcast. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Tyler. This was a blast. It was really great to catch up with you. It's been a while. So I appreciate you inviting me on. This was awesome.
0: Thank you to Vanessa Zengardi for being my guest on this episode of the Failing In Podcast. If you're interested in working with the Zengardi Studio, you can find them at zingardi.com. That's Z-A-N-G-A-R-D-I.com. Catch up on all previous episodes of the Failing In Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting anchor.fm backslash failinginpodcast.